again, encourage you guys to check out all the bulletin when you get opportunity. And um, let's, uh, again, continue in Romans this morning. Last week, we laid the laid somewhat of a foundation for the epistle. We looked at the first seven verses. We talked about the author of the epistle, the Apostle Paul, and really focused in on his declaration that he was a bondservant of Christ. Here is this man who was, you know, at a, 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 a Pharisee, a member of the Sanhedrin, and he got saved in a radical way and called not just to be a disciple of Christ, but was given the, the, the office of apostleship. And yet, first and foremost, he identified as a bondservant of the Lord, a, a slave of the Lord. And we talked about how in Rome, everyone knew what he was talking about because a third of that population was subjected to slavery and here's paul a free man uh, with roman citizenship and yet he was unashamed of the gospel and declared himself to be a servant of god and indeed his life was set apart we'll be reminded this morning again later in romans he says listen serving him and presenting my body as a living sacrifice it's a reasonable service and so uh wonderful things we glean from the author here and no doubt we'll be talking more about how God saved him and developed him and, you know, at the various churches that have been implanted along our study here in the book of Romans. We also talked about the major theme of the epistle, and it's a major theme that absolutely should come up every time we gather together, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We looked at the key verse of the book of Romans, which Lord willing will look at next week in great detail, Romans 1, 16 and 17. I just want to read it again. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And it's wonderful to gather out here this morning, to gather in this, you know, uh, open forum, so to speak, with other people that aren't ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And indeed, we do know of the power of God that has been, you know, sown into our life through faith in the Lord and his death and resurrection. And then we also last week looked at who the epistle was written to. You know, the title of the book tells us this. And it's also in Paul's uh, introduction, which we'll continue in this morning, that he's writing to those that were in Rome. But more than that, we saw that all scripture, again, is given by inspiration of God as the Holy Spirit moved upon holy men. And this word is for us. Now, this morning, we'll continue on here in verse 8. Lord willing, get down to verse 14. And Paul goes into a lot of detail about the importance of fellowship and coming together and ministering to one another as the body of Christ. We'll see this call to be thankful for one another. And we'll see this pattern where these churches that Paul helped plant and would write letters of encouragement and scripture to he would talk about being thankful for them. And we have a call to be thankful for one another. And Paul always prayed for these folks. And he'll go into detail this morning about his prayer for those in Rome. And this is a call on us to be thankful for one another, to be praying for one another. We'll see also the call to physically gather together, to encourage one another, to share our gifts with one another, to fellowship with one another. Paul even longing to go to those in Rome to physically lay hands on them so that spiritual gifts could be imparted to them through the ministry that God had given Paul to impart gifts and so forth upon others to the work of the Holy Spirit. And then we'll see Paul talking about him being indebted to Christ to minister to those in Rome as well as all Jews and Gentiles. And he wasn't indebted to them, but again, he was indebted to the Lord and that Jesus was his Lord, and Jesus laid down his life for Paul. And Paul had eternal life through Christ, and so he recognized, he's my Lord. And so, though he paid my debt and my sins are washed, I'm indebted to him. And listen, that's true for all of us today. God's called us to be servants of the Lord, and absolutely to recognize, my life is to be lived for the Lord, and praise God, in that we don't lose life, but in that we gain life. And so we need continual reminders of that and a process of renewing our mind because those truths so oftentimes go against just our carnal nature and you know at our fleshly way so 
Let's read through our text here, and we'll dive into this, and hopefully just leave here this morning built up in our Lord, and knowing Him more, and encouraged. And even if, you know, we get a rebuke or correction today, hopefully we can receive that from the Scriptures, because I know the Lord brings those to, you know what, bring us to better places. And at times He cuts things out of our lives, or is desiring to do that, so that He can, again, bring healing and bring new fruit and so forth. So, Notice here, verse 8, he says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if, by some means, now at last I may find, my, find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. Verse 13. Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Now, notice verse 8 as we jump up to the top of our text. And look at these first five words. First, I thank my God. And um, we know there's a context of this, but he's also saying something just in those five words that we need to take to heart. And it should be something that's first and foremost in our life at every turn. And that's giving thanks to God. And you know what? If you guys have come here for any amount of time and some of you have come for a long time, you'll see a pattern of me oftentimes going back to the importance of giving thanks to God. Number one, because that's throughout the scripture. We have a call to give thanks to God Almighty. Again, 1 Thessalonians 5.16, a scripture that we look at often. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and then notice, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is the will of God that we are a thankful people, that we are a grateful people in everything, and hear this, even on every single day. And it's imperative that we remember that because I believe that we are living in trouble days. I think we're living in a day of trouble. The Bible speaks of days of trouble. And I think it's easy in days of trouble to get away from giving thanks to God. And let that not be us. Listen, all the more in the day of trouble, let's give thanks to God Almighty. Because in the day of trouble, we have promises that the world around us doesn't have. We have assurances that the world around us doesn't have. We know the Lord is with us to the end of the age. As we talk about often, Romans eight twenty eight, we know God works all things for good for those that love him and are called according to his purposes. And you hear this report and you hear that report and you go, oh, that's not good. Oh, that's not very good. Oh, this doesn't look very good. Anyone else in that pattern with reports and things going on? And yet we can step back and say, but wait a minute, God's going to work all things for good. For those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Is Jesus your Lord today? Can you say amen to that? And so you know you love him. He's your Lord. You love him. And listen, he's called you to himself. And so in all things, let's give thanks. In any reports that's made your heart sink over the last week or the last few days. Or things that are, you know, put before you that might come about that have put worry upon you. No, listen, let's step back. Yeah, let's be... about let's be praying for those things and lifting them up and let's stand strong in the lord and the call of god on us and our godly convictions and the scriptures and so forth but listen above everything let's give thanks to god let's give thanks to the lord he is worthy of all thanks and listen even giving thanks to god is more important than all our prayers and all our supplications and casting all our cares upon him now we're called to do that, but let that be secondary secondary to giving thanks to God Almighty because he knows, listen, he knows what you have need of before you even ask. Isn't that good news? And there's sometimes when we have needs we're not even aware of, but the Lord knows and the Lord's aware 
And just as he knows the number of hairs on your head, he loves you and he's going before you. And we'll be reminded this morning, he lives to make intercession for you. And he's even doing that right now. So listen, we want to give thanks to God. We are called to give thanks to God. It's part of our heart, high call and praising God. But also when we give thanks to God, listen, it's medicine for your soul. Giving thanks to God puts things in proper order. It remembers, it helps remind us that God is in control. When we step back and begin to count our blessings as God has called us to do that. Listen, giving thanks to God and being a thankful person, it's a life-changing thing for those that aren't thankful, that aren't grateful. God hasn't called us to be a grumbling people. He hasn't called us to be a complaining people. I mean, for goodness sakes, what do we have to complain about or grumble about when God has brought us still to this place this day and God has given us the promise of eternal life through His Son's death and His resurrection? Thanksgiving is one of the most healthy things that you can practice and you can walk in. Notice Colossians 3.15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body. And then notice, and be thankful. The context here is, if you want the peace of God to rule in your heart, you want to let the peace of God rule in your heart, I want the peace of God to rule in my heart, don't you? Well, listen, part of ushering that in is being a thankful person to God Almighty. Also in this, and later on in this first chapter, Paul goes into great detail. I want to be thankful to God because we're living in a world that's not thankful to the Lord at all. There's very little thanksgiving given to God Almighty. And this is where I love being a Christian because, listen, I was born with a lot of rebellion in me. And I used to rebel against the Lord, but now as a servant of God, I want to rebel against the enemy of my soul. And I want to love the world around me that needs Jesus, but I want to rebel against their patterns and their mindset and their thinking that is anti-Christ. Notice Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal, God, his eternal power and Godhead. So they're without excuse. And then notice 21. And this is where our world is today. This is where so much of our nation is today. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. And notice what it says next. But became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. And it goes on to talk about, you know, delusions and, you know, what scriptures talking about the world be given over to strong, you know, delusions in the last days. And you're like. How in the world are people thinking the way that they think? Can't they see? Listen, the reason for that is they don't glorify God and they're not thankful to God. You want more discernment in your life? You want more clarity? You want to be able to step back and see well, what's going on? Because with all the conflicting reports, it's hard to know at times. You want more clarity? Give thanks to God. Give praise to God. Glorify the Lord. This world around us is being subjected to darkness because they will not praise God, nor are they thankful to God, though God even gives them the ability to think, to breathe, to function. He supplies the sun for them, the rain upon them. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, but so many people have heart in their heart, and they won't give praise to God, walking in rebellion against them. And if that's you this morning, you need to humble your heart and look up and acknowledge the goodness of God, because He loves you and He cares about you and wants to wrap His arms around you and minister to you. So he says, first, I thank my God. And then he says, through Jesus Christ. And again, he is our God this morning through Jesus Christ. If it, if it weren't for the work of the cross, we would still be in that place of being enemies of God, of our father, the devil. But as Jesus proclaimed in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one to the father except through me. Through Christ, through his death and resurrection, through him atoning for our sins and resurrecting from the grave. By his grace, through faith in him, we have come to God through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that is a good, good thing. And as Paul is even praying in this epistle, in this section here, 
I give thanks to my thanks to my God through Jesus Christ. So this is instruction as well as a prayer being presented here. Paul knows that this prayer is even being able to be offered through Jesus Christ. See, through Christ, we have salvation and through Christ as well. We have entrance into the holy of holies to pray, to come before the Lord, to cast our cares before him, to attain help in our time of need. Hebrews 10, 19, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is of his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God. Notice, let us draw near. We're a privileged people. Listen to previous dispensations. They had to have an intercessor that would go before God on their behalf. Once a year, that high priest would go in to offer sacrifice. But Jesus is our high priest. And Jesus is our sacrifice. And we know on the cross that he ripped that veil that separated individuals from the Holy of Holies in two. He did that to signify to us that our sins are paid for. And now through the work of the cross, we can come before the Lord with the boldness, even in the darkest days of trouble, through what Jesus has done for us. And we want to be a people that indeed take up that invitation and draw near to the Lord through what Christ has done for us. And absolutely, let's do it with thanksgiving. Psalm 104, we looked at it not long ago. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. So he says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ and the notice for you all. That your faith is spoken of throughout the world. Paul was thankful for those in Rome. He hadn't gone there yet. He really wasn't directly part of planting that church there. We saw on Pentecost there were some from Rome, and no doubt they took the gospel back to Rome. And then we also saw that when the church was persecuted, before Paul was even saved, when he was Saul, he was part of that persecution. And that helped spread the gospel out farther, no doubt, to Rome as well. And so Paul had not gone there. He longed to go there. He would end up there finally in a roundabout way. But just hearing of their faith caused him to be thankful. He was thankful for their persons. He was thank you, thankful for their salvation. He was thankful for even his fellowship with them in a roundabout way. He was thankful for the gifts God had bestowed upon them. He was thankful for their witness. Are you thankful for your brothers and sisters in the Lord today? They're all around you right now. Isn't that good? And isn't it good to be gathered with like-minded people this morning? Paul said to those in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians 1.4, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God that was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him and all utterance and knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Paul says, I'm thankful that you have the grace of God. I thank you that you've been enriched by God. I thank you that you have gifts given to you by God. I thank you that you're eagerly waiting for the coming of the Lord. Paul rejoiced in that. Paul's walk with the Lord wasn't just about him and what God had done for him. He rejoiced in what God was doing with others. And he rejoiced, as we see in this text before us, that he could share what God was doing in the body of Christ with others. This is wonderful when you have a blessing, but what's even better is when you get to share blessings with others and walk in communion and like-mindedness in the body of Christ. We have an incredible gift out here this morning. And again, we have a, 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 a standard that brings us together that hasn't been put forth by man, but is put forth by God and the gospel and the word of truth and so forth. And that's something we want to abound in and grow in and be thankful for. So Paul was thankful for them, and then he was thankful as well that their faith was spoken of, this is pretty powerful, throughout the whole world. Their faith in Jesus. Not just faith, but their faith in Christ. That it was spoken of that they're in the belly of the beast, so to speak, there in Rome. They govern over most of 
the known world as they knew it. There was a group of people that had put faith in Jesus that no longer bent knee to Caesar, but they bent knee to Jesus Christ. That was an awesome thing. And no doubt as well, their faith in the Lord, their daily living was spoken of and so forth. How they stood strong in the midst of opposition. That it was spoken of throughout the whole world. Their faith in the Lord, their salvation, their daily living for God. They weren't spoken of, of you know, their grand buildings and their big attendance and their big bank accounts and their, you know, best-selling books and all that kind of thing. No, it was their trust in Christ that was spoken of. And even the situation and the persecution all the more allowed their faith to shine so it could be seen and so forth. I mean, think about it. We so oftentimes strive to be known. We just do. It's part of our carnal nature. But what are we striving to be known for? As individuals, even as a fellowship, for our name, for our footprint, for our following? Are we striving to be known for our faith in Jesus Christ? Listen, it's clear in the word when we are known for fleshly things carnal things it often produces a fleshly response in others doesn't bring out the best in them when we're known for things that god doesn't hold in high esteem jesus said the things held in high esteem by men are an abomination to god and so oftentimes even our measuring sticks of success and so forth they're carnal measuring sticks and those things bring out Not the fruit of the Spirit in others, but oftentimes they can bring out envies and jealousies and pride and hatred. Notice Galatians 5.22. It starts off so good. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. We should want to be known for those things. Because those fruits bring forth more of those fruits. And those in Christ have crucified the flesh Notice, with its passions and desires. It's where you put down the desire to be known to, you know, to be known for, again, your footprint and attendance and bank account and all of those things that there's oftentimes so much striving for, even in Christendom. He says in verse 25, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. And then notice, this is key. Let us not be conceited. Listen to this. Provoking one another envying one another and when we're known for fleshly things and there's a striving to you know what make our name known versus making the name of jesus christ known all that does is provokes others to want to make their name known as well listen fleshly ambition stirs up fleshly ambition in others and paul was rejoicing that they were known Not for their name, not for carnal things, not for Laodicean attributes that we read about there in Revelation where they boast that they have need of nothing and they're rich and they're wealthy and they hold their opinion above God's word. But no, he rejoices because their faith in Christ was known of in the whole world. Listen, that produces faith in others. Listen to Philippians 1.12, he says, down to 14. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul's faith was known by those in the church through his imprisonment. That's not something held in high regard by the world, right? That's not something that carnal men, even in Christianum, are striving for. They're striving for recognition. They're striving for comfort. They're striving for their name to be in the limelight. Here's Paul, an apostle, in prison. But as a result of being in prison, his faith was known. Man, this guy's willing to stand up for the truth, even if it puts him behind bars. And what did that do? It emboldened others. It gave others faith. If Paul can be bold and go behind bars, I too can be be bold. And if I go behind bars, the Lord will be with me just as the Lord is with Paul. 
And we need that today. Listen, we have heard recently and we've spoken of the faith of those in Afghanistan. I brought out that it's one of the fastest, fastest growing churches in the world, though it is one of the most persecuted churches in the world. Talked about how there's Christians in Afghanistan, even right now, some that have an exit and they say, no, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm here to preach Jesus. And we've even heard reports of Taliban members coming to those Bible studies, curious about what's being spoken of, no doubt seeing the bankruptcy of Islam. And beautifully, as we've spoken and talked about their faith, as the Lord opened an opportunity for us to help aid them practically in this fellowship, we were able to see a stirring up of faith of folks in this church and stepping forward to pray and stepping forward and giving gifts to that church to help them just function in their day-to-day needs and so forth. A great outpouring of generosity. And then beautifully, this week I got a letter in the mail. And these aren't things that we've broadcast or talked about outside of our service. But I get this letter in the mail. And this person asked to be anonymous. And absolutely, I want to honor that. But I also want to share what they wrote. Because this isn't just a letter to me. This is a letter to us as a church. Someone shared with them what was going on here in ministering to the church in Afghanistan. And this person wrote, they shared with me the amazing heart you have towards supporting the underground church in Afghanistan. And this has literally moved me to tears since supporting our brothers and sisters in Christ of the underground church is my heart of hearts. Thank you for taking the time to research organizations that follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord greatly reward you for your obedience. I've never written a check for this amount, but when God says give, you give. I have sat on this for a minute asking the Lord to lead me to a to a church or ministry to support our family in Afghanistan. And when I heard about the generosity of this church, I know this was a place to send the money, knowing that it will get to where it needs to go. And it was a check for ten thousand dollars. And that's on top of nearly now forty thousand dollars from this fellowship. And what do you see here? You see faith birthing faith, birthing faith, birthing faith. And then we get a letter from the Barnabas Fund, you know, handwritten saying, basically, you'll never know the impact that this is making on Christian believers there in Afghanistan. Those are things we want to be known for. Not not that, oh, boy, you know, the, the amount, but the move of faith. A move of faith. And Paul's rejoicing. Your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Because Paul understood that was stirring faith in others. And at the end of the day, listen, what's more important? Numbers and, you know, our name being known. And buildings and all that sort of stuff. Or faith in the Lord. Listen, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. We need the faith of God Almighty. And you look at the world scene and you step back and you say, What's the mega modern American church known for? Is it known for its faith? Maybe here and there, I think predominantly it's known for its Laodicean qualities. And then you look at a church like Afghanistan or North Korea or the church in Syria or some of these countries. What are they known for? Their wealth and their name and we have need of nothing? No, they're known for their faith. And what's the Lord say to the church of Laodicea? He says in Revelation 3, 17, because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. Do you not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked? I counsel to you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. In other words, he says, you think you're rich and you're known for being rich, but you're poor. And then he says to that church in Smyrna, Revelation 2, 9, I know your works, tribulations, and poverty, but you are rich. 
And I know the blasphemy of those who say they're Jews and they're not, but they're of the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those sayings which you're about to suffer. And indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, that you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful until death and I'll give you the crown of life. Now, listen, this isn't saying it's a shameful thing to have wealth. This isn't saying it's a shameful thing to have facilities and so forth. We need not be ashamed of those things if we're thankful for those things and we're good stewards of those things. But let's not make it our aim to be known for those things first and foremost. Let's make it our name our aim to to, to be known for our faith in God, for our trust in the Lord. And I really believe that this hour that we are in, in many ways, we're giving we're being given a gift to 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 have our faith on display. In a way and manner, we haven't had opportunity to do so before. And I would open the days to come. We are more known for our faith in the Lord, for trusting in God, for walking in the word in the face of increasing opposition. Over being known for a compromise and acceptance of the world's way and temporary comforts and passing pleasures versus saying, no, I'm going to step out of faith and trust in the Lord even if it costs me everything, because I'll gain everything, and God's going before me every step along the way. Verse 9. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of a son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. You know, I, I look at this, and I'm, I think, why does Paul say God is my witness that I'm praying for you? And this isn't very deep, but I have to think, Maybe it's because oftentimes we say, well, I'll pray for you, brother. And then we never do. You know, Let's make sure we don't say, I'll pray for you. And then we don't do it. Let's make sure we say, I'll pray for you. In fact, we say, let me pray for you right now. Let me do it right now. Listen, how often times do needs come up and they're urgent and we want to meet them. But it starts with prayer. And so let's pray then and there. And I would hope as God's witnessing our lives that more and more we can say, God's my witness, I pray for you. I lift you up to the Lord. God's my witness that I make intercession for you, brothers. Because, listen, that's of so much value and of so much, you know what, it avails much is what it does. And listen, this is a pattern that Paul had. And I, I won't read it, but it's there in your text to the church at F- Ephesus and Philippi and Thessalonica and uh, Philemon, his brother in the Lord. Every single one of them. He said, I thank God for you and I pray for you. Every single church, I thank God for you and I pray for you. That was Paul's pattern. And it wasn't Paul's pattern that he came up with. It's Paul's pattern that he got from Christ. John seventeen nine, the Lord speaking of his church, speaking of us. He says, I pray for them. And I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given to me, for they are yours. And then we read in Hebrews 7.25, he always lives to make intercession for them or for us. And if the Lord is continually making intercession for us, and we're to imitate him, should we not be making intercession for one another? Let's make this our pattern, as Paul said, imitate me as I also imitate Christ, 1 Corinthians 11.1. And again, he doesn't say, I just prayed for you once, but I pray without ceasing. I make mention of you always in my prayers. Again, it's a command to God. We read it earlier there in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Not just that it's his will that in everything we give thanks, but also that we pray without ceasing. Listen, when we pray to God, things happen here on earth. Things happen in the spiritual realm. It's not a squandered time. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Do you believe that this morning? And then also we know we're in a great spiritual war. Listen, those in Rome weren't just in a place of being oppressed by men. More so, there was a spiritual war raging around them. And we need to be aware of that. And we need to recognize that one of our weapons in this warfare is prayer. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom may me devour. And then he says, resist him, 
steadfast in the faith, knowing the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. How do we resist them? Listen, one of the ways we resist the enemy is that we get on our knees and we cry out to God Almighty. We want to be a people of prayer, a people who pray for one another, a people who give thanks to God, and a people that are determined to pray without ceasing. It's my daily aim as your pastor to pray for you, to lift this church up to the Lord on a continual basis, to bring needs. It's not just me. It's me, my wife, my family. We gather every evening together to pray for this fellowship and to pray for the things going on. And I rejoice in the things that have happened in the last few years because it has stirred our prayer life unlike it's ever been stirred before. And we had one before. But it's all the more we recognize we need to pray. We need to turn to the Lord. We need to cry out to God. And it's so wonderful to watch God answer prayers in his perfect timing. And listen, as we pray for you, I would ask you to please pray for us. To lift us up to the Lord. To lift up the you know, leadership in this church to the Lord. We need to be praying for one another. Be praying for your brothers and sisters sitting behind you, in front of you, and behind you, and so forth. Let's be committed to be a people who always and without ceasing are praying for one another. And listen, I get a lot of people, hey, you should do this, you should do that. Some it's just a suggestion. Some it comes and, you know, hey, I got a word of the Lord from you and so forth. And here's the deal. Those things all might have a place and so forth if it is a word from the Lord. But I can tell you this, above everything, we need to pray. We got to be a praying people. And Paul says here, for God is my witness who I'm ser- who I serve in the spirit of the gospel of the son that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. So he says I serve with my spirit. Paul recognized this was a required service. It wasn't optional. And he's saying here I'm not doing it begrudgingly in the flesh, but I'm doing it willingly in the spirit just as Jesus willingly served us as seen in the gospel of Jesus Christ and him laying down his life for our sins resurrecting from the grave so that we can have salvation by grace through faith in him now we've kind of already touched on this but why would paul directly tell them all this hey i'm praying for you i thank god for you i'm praying for you without ceasing i'm praying for you always paul wasn't telling them this so that they would say oh boy paul's a real spiritual dude man i'm kind of intimidated by that you ever been around someone where it's like they seem so holy that you're like, I don't think I could be around this person. And it almost moves in through you feeling like, you know, what they, they know stuff about me. You know, how do they know that? And maybe you feel like they're going to judge you. That's not Paul's heart here. Paul didn't roll that way. Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. Paul recognized it was only grace that saved him. Paul's telling them this because Paul knew men of faith would know the great value of this. James 5, 16, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avail of much. Paul's, Paul's telling them of, of, of something that's valuable to them. I always rejoice when someone says, Steve, I pray for you. Pastor, we lift you up. You're in our prayers. I thank God for that. I don't take that lightly. That's of great value. I, think, I say, thank you, Lord. I, I pray more I would pray for me and help me to pray for more, uh, pray for more others or, or pray for others. I'm getting excited up here. Listen. Paul also told them because he knew that men of faith would be incredibly encouraged by this, knowing intercessions being made. It kind of goes with the value of it, but also they'd be encouraged. Think of accounts like when the, Israel, the Israelis were, were fighting, you know, the, 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 the Amalekites. And when Moses' hands were up, Israel prevailed. And when they were down, the enemy prevailed. And then Aaron and Hur came aside and they helped hold up his hands and they had victory. And that's a, that's a picture of intercession. He was praying to God and then others came along to help hold up his arms. And as they prayed to God, they had victory here on earth. And he knew they would understand that and be encouraged. There's others helping hold up my arms. There's others interceding, praying for strength and so forth. And Paul also told them this because he knew men of faith would want to follow Paul's example. Listen, carnal men follow carnal men outside of the church and even in Christianum. And there's a lot of carnality in Christianum. There's a lot of people that want to use Christ as a platform to glorify themselves. 
Again, going back to the church in America, one of the biggest problems in the American church is the national leaders, for the most part, are a who's who of heretics, with, praise God, a few exceptions. And so many people, they're drawn to that. They're drawn to those things of carnality and so forth. Second Peter talks about such individuals, how they bring in destructive heresies. And then in verse 2, it says, many will follow the destructive ways. Paul's telling about what he's doing here because he knew men of faith would read this and they would want to imitate it. Men of faith look for other men of faith to glean from. And men of faith will always point other men of faith, not to themselves, but to the Lord Jesus Christ. They absolutely will. Notice Hebrews 6, 11, and 12. And we desire that each of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Notice here, that you do not become sluggish. Notice, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. He says, look for men and women of faith, not to follow them, but to imitate them as they follow the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why, listen, we, we, try, to be fair, faith, we try to be careful in, in vetting books and so forth in our bookstore. Praise God by His grace, and I don't want to get ahead of an announcement, November 1st, we're launching another radio station it's going to be online there'll be an app for it and so forth and we're vetting the individuals on there that they are men and women of faith that are pointing people to jesus christ listen don't take lightly when you pick up that book you listen to that podcast is that a man of faith or is that a carnal man promoting their name and nonsense what is it because we don't got time for that game plan we need to have things of the lord sown into our hearts Verse 10, making requests if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. Listen, Paul prayed for them and he prayed for a way and opportunity to come to them. He understood that we have a call to fellowship with one another, not just via letters, not just via, you know, at streaming, but face to face. One of the first things we learn about the early church, Acts 2.42, they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers. And it goes on to say they were together and had all things in common. There's a lot of folks nowadays that aren't coming together. And some of them have some legitimate reasons. A very, very small percentage of them do. Some folks read verses like this and they say, but wait a minute. But yeah, they came together, but they didn't have the threat of COVID-19. And I'm not making light of people with compromised immune systems and that kind of thing. We need to move in wisdom. But listen, they, they didn't have the threat of that, but they faced the threats of imprisonment, floggings, losing all possessions and death. And yet they came together. And God has given us a word. It's a general word, but I think it's a specific word of prophecy for the day we're living in now. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. It's not just about me. It's about others. Consider others not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, and I'll tell you, that is becoming the manner of many that have no good reason or excuse for that being their manner. But exhorting one another, and notice, so much the more as you see the day approaching. I see the day approaching, do you not? <laughs> and so much the more. I, don't, I, I, I understand the wrestling with things, but I don't understand the contentment with some. And it grieves my heart even to see many of these prominent ministries, and I say that in parentheses, who are even saying, hey, things are different from now on. Church is just going to be in your own home, and you should like it better. You can wear your pajamas and drink hot cocoa. That's not biblical. That's not scriptural. And some would say, but I don't want to get sick. And listen, I get that. 
And I agree with that. And we need to be wise, praise God. We've strived, we've, we've made an effort to strive to be wise in this time. And I really think by God's grace, by God's grace and mercy, we've done well out here. And plus God's, look at, I mean, come on, look, God's blessed us. Look around, we are a blessed, blessed people. But at what point do you balance wisdom, and I'll say it with parentheses, with the call to walk by faith? When do we start saying, this scripture is not just for them, this scripture is for us? Mark 16, 17, and these signs will follow those who believe. Do you believe this morning? In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's not just for some ancient folks. That's for us today. I'm not saying to tempt God. I'm not saying not to walk without wisdom. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that if you're sick, you should come to church and say, hey, we'll all be good. No, we're to move in wisdom and there's biblical guidance in that stuff but at the same time we're not called to shrink back with fear and walk in the new normal we're supposed to walk in the new testament and let me give you a nugget of truth that you're never going to get from the fauci's of the world you're going to die on the day you're appointed to die no matter what Acts 17 26 he is made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed time. My pre-appointed time has been determined by God. I can't add to that. I can't take away from that. But in the meantime, Hebrews 10, 38, the just shall live by faith. Verse 11, for I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift. And the imparting of these gifts, again, they didn't come through letter writing. It came through the laying on of hands. I have several scriptures there for you. The laying on of hands. We need to lay hands on one another. Yeah, wash those hands first. The laying on of hands. Proverbs 18.1, a man who isolates himself, seeks his own desire, he rages against all wise judgment. Do you know that coming together is not only so good for us spiritually, but also mentally, and do I dare say it physically? God has given you something called an immune system, and it's better than anything the government can produce. And it's disgusting when they say natural antibodies to you know, the C-19 is, what, 13 or 14 times more effective than what they're putting forth, but we won't talk about it because we believe in science. That's not science. I'm about to go off here, so I'll step back. I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. Notice, so that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. He says, I want to get together so we could be established more in the Lord and we can encourage one another. Aren't you encouraged when you come and gather with other believers? And Sundays and Wednesdays and small groups and Proverbs one or excuse me, Psalm 133, one, behold how good and how pleasant is it for the brethren to dwell together in unity. And several verses here about you know, refreshment that came when brothers and sisters got together in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 16, 17. 2 Corinthians 7, 13. 2 Timothy 1, 16. Philemon, verse 7. You refresh me, I refresh you. They refresh you through coming together. Verse 13. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered unto now, that I might have some fruit among you, just as among other Gentiles. Paul had wanted to get to them. He said, I've been hindered, though. Hindered by other needs, his limited ability, spiritual warfare. But listen, he had been mainly hindered by the Lord. A man plans his way, the Lord directs his steps. In fact, even later in the epistle, he says, well, when I go to Spain, I'm going to come to you. Those plans didn't come to fruition. 
he came to them through, via the prison system. And he says, I long to have some fruit among you. Listen, many a man spends his life investing in that which will perish. Building a life of earthly wealth, not used for God's glory, that won't go with him or her when they perish. Paul spent his life building a treasure in heaven. Sowing the things of God into the lives of Jews, Gentiles, Greeks, barbarians, wise and the unwise to birth an everlasting fruit. He said, I want to have fruit in that church. I don't got time to read it, but Philippians 4, Paul writes to that church. And he says, you're the only one that shared with me in giving. They helped fund Paul's missionary journeys. And he says in verse 17, something very interesting. He says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. I commend you because in you giving to my ministry, he's saying, there's fruit that abounds to your account. And he's speaking here of, eternal treasure that can't be taken but in the context he also says this to him in verse 19 and my god shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by jesus christ or christ jesus he doesn't say oh except in times of a recession or depression or hyper uh, inflation he says no he'll supply all your needs according to his riches in glory And then he says here, almost done, I'm a debtor both to Greeks and barbarians, to wise and unwise. It wasn't that he was in debt to them. He didn't owe them a lick. But he was a debtor to Christ. We'll get into this, Lord willing, way down the road, but Romans 8, 11. But the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Notice verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. But if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But of the spirit, but by the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. You'll live. He's saying we're indebted to the Lord because the Lord laid his life for us. And in that we're indebted to one another. Paul says my life's not my own. And praise God in it. We don't lose life. We gain it. And then finally, he says, Verse 15, so as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are also in Rome. Paul says, I'm ready to go. It's just a matter for the door to be open. I'm ready to come preach Jesus to you. I'm ready to preach the gospel. We're told in 2 Timothy 4, 2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. We want to be ready for a time like this in general. And then God also, Jesus also told Paul in Acts 23, 11, specifically that he would preach the gospel in Rome. So much here for us to think about. We barely scratched the surface of the text, but I hope our hearts are stirred this morning in just these important areas of fellowship and prayer and thanksgiving and so forth. Let's stand up right now. We'll we'll close in prayer and worship to our God. Heavenly Father, we praise you and give you glory and honor. God, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for these saints, God. I thank you for these folks that have come to gather in the name of the Lord. I pray we would do it all the more as we see the day of the Lord approaching and getting closer. I know it's getting closer. I know, Lord, your day's a week closer than it was last week, God, and a day closer than it was yesterday. And we know you said you're coming soon. Shine your face on your people, God. Encourage them this morning. Be near to them in a special way. Listen, if you're here today and you haven't called upon Christ, you've heard the gospel. You've heard the fact that we're sinners, that Christ died for our sins and salvation comes only through Him. As we read there, He said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He stands ready to wash you today, to cleanse you, to forgive you, to be your Lord and Savior. I would encourage you to humble your heart, to call upon Christ, to let the Lord meet you where you are even right now. Listen, our Lord's worthy of praise, is He not? Let's lift our voices to Him right now and give glory to our God. Because you are good. Because you 
Guys, we got like half an hour to the next service. Encourage you to just just stick around for a bit. Encourage others, and uh, you know, and enjoy the fellowship of of uh, the body of Christ. Um, I'm gonna be up here. Invite Pastor Jerry up, Pastor Ron, if he's around, and we'd love to uh, just pray with anyone this morning who who needs some encouragement and prayer. And again, God bless you guys in the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs>